Hello everyone and welcome along to the new episode or new um, uh, series or new version, whatever, of the Paddock Piss after the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, I do sound a bit unprepared for this, um, but I'm joined with a lot of help uh, with my friends here. Adil Chanai, Marinella Baby is here. We've got Babaji, we've got Kapil and Natsumasu. Welcome along guys. Hello, thanks for having me again, you know. Always we great. love that. Yep. Always good to have you. <laughs> uh, okay, hello to others as well, in case uh, you've fallen asleep. Uh, some people seem to be busy, but that's fine. No, I was talking with my mic off. I apologize. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Oh, there we go. We have yep. the gang. <laughs> so there's five of us today, isn't it? Quite a lot of people for one race, but okay. For one race that didn't really have a lot. Yeah, that's why we're going to give multiple accounts of the same race to both the viewers. <laughs> okay. All right, let's start with, uh, with something that we normally start with. First thoughts, keep it brief. Um, let's start with you, Masu. I think you've joined us for the first time here. Not the first time, I think second or third time. I think, I think I've been there for uh, one of the other podcasts we have, but this is my first time on product Paddock Piss. Paddock Piss, yes, correct. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, uh, like, I think, I think this is started off. I think if someone had asked me, like, in one word on how I would describe yesterday's race, I would have gone with controversial in terms of stewards. I think more than the race itself, what made the race so interesting was the was the various decision t decisions taken by the uh, FIA. And I think, and uh, what are your thoughts on that? Me? The FIA decision? Yep. The stewards' yep. decision, you mean? Yeah. Well, I yeah. think one of us mentioned not so long ago that there is inconsistency in stewards themselves because they do keep changing every race. So I think yeah. you got to get a slightly different view from different races. I think we should save that topic once you've covered the brief reviews from each Yeah, each let's go on with brief brief thoughts first. Um, let's move on to you, Kapil. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Uh, summary of the race. <laughs> Uneventful, controversial, and boring. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Baba? I, for me, to summarize, I think the quality was more exciting than the race. And I was hoping for something spicy. But Lord Vettel couldn't deliver it just a bit later. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's it for me. Yeah, I think I, I'd echo your thoughts on that one. Quali was a bit more exciting than the race, I think. I think this is the first race in the last two or three years that I actually missed the race start. Uh, I think I joined when the safety car was on. Same, so I same. I can't believe that's a coincidence. I missed like the first two laps and I was like, what's wrong? And then people inform me about the crashes. So yeah, this is kind of that the different odd timing which we used than we used to. Oh yeah, it's it was a, it was that it was an hour earlier than usual, wasn't it? Yes. Because I was still in bed and I suddenly saw the notification come up. The yes. lights are out. <clears throat> okay, I'll move on to myself. I um as I was saying, uh, yeah, quality probably more exciting than the race. Um, the race probably. Only got exciting with that penalty of Hamilton, but obviously we knew that it was not really going to affect him as much as uh, we wanted it to. 
well, that's quite a sadistic way to put it, but <laughs> you get what I mean. Yep, yep. It's quite, quite an un- unfortunate side that when a person gets a 10-second penalty, which is almost a year in F1 terms, still finishes like exactly around the same place he's supposed to. So, yeah. I was half expecting him to come back and take Verstappen's place too. So, I'm glad that he just finished P3, I guess. Other, what are your thoughts on the penalty being insignificant? Um, well, well, I think the penalty being insignificant is is not is not as is not true. I would have, I think, uh, it didn't change the race result in any way except for P P two Hamilton would have probably finished P two instead because I think the mediums were a very very good tie yesterday. There's no doubt about that. Um, the only sort of a uh, battle I would have liked to see is Bottas versus Hamilton on track, but I think Bottas would have gotten the overcut done. Yeah, that's probably a fair assumption. There are many Hamilton fans who insisted that he would still win with the weird strategy, but that was just a pipe dream. I agree that Verstappen, I mean, Bottas would have probably got the edge on them. The Probably I'm, the point I'm... would have been with Verstappen and Hamilton on the different strategies with the car, yeah. with the difference of performance. Yeah, Black Sheep. So you, no, I was just referring, re- referencing to the conversation we had last night when we spoke about this, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, I think Hamilton ended or finished about 18, 19 seconds, something like that, behind Bottas. That's no. still a good seven, eight seconds, 20, isn't it? Out the twenty-nine seconds. Twenty-nine yeah. seconds behind Bottas. Yeah, but you yeah. also have to consider that Hamilton was stuck <clears throat> in traffic. He, he wasn't in like, traffic at what point? Not stuck in traffic, but he had to get through a few cars. Yeah, I mean, uh, not yeah, really. Not really. I mean, he came out ahead of the Renaults, so he didn't have anyone but uh, Kvyat, Vettel, and Perez ahead of him. Vettel let him pass literally within the lap that he got close to him. Two laps, yes. Kvyat pitted on the same lap that Hamilton got behind him, and I think I think he didn't really overtake Perez. He got him on the pit stop anyway because he was one of the late pit. Uh, yeah, Perez was the last to pit on the soft. So the only two cars that he sort of phased, um, in quotes, were Vettel and Kvyat. Yeah, I think Masum, you what, what what is your take on this? I, I don't think it was that significant. Maybe three to four seconds. I think that difference came because of the strategy, like how uh, in transition the soft hard strategy. We know that the Mercedes, because of its extremely high downforce, it is a car that is extremely hard on its hard on the tires. And I'm pretty sure because of the penalty, Hamilton was not at his best mental state and i think ultimately it's a strategy that Bottas took that made the difference in pace because we, we saw that after hamilton pitted on from the softs we saw we saw that Bottas set multiple fastest laps to build the gap so you are saying that even if hamilton didn't have the penalty Bottas would have pipped in right yep for sure yeah he, he was on the better strategy anyway i think that's what we all say yep that's true the battle, yeah, we missed our interesting battle with Verstappen, but yeah, he, I think that would have been an evenly matched battle with the different strategies and Verstappen being on the optimal strategy. But yeah, can, can't ask for much. I, but I, I don't like to think the fact that people are approaching that he wasn't necessarily in a good mood, that's why he didn't push, because he wasn't in a good mood post the end of the qualifying also, as he was about to get probably shafted into the Q2. But he came up and gave a brilliant Q3, like earth-shattering Q3, I would say in terms of his lap, which he did. So I feel that he's more of a Michael Jordan-esque person who gets performs even better when he's triggered. So I don't yeah. think that's flying uh, the reason that he was not feeling it to race or something. I, I agree with you, but on a slightly different note, I think 
at that level, being Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, uh, you wouldn't just give up and just not push because you never know what may happen in the race. He's not, I mean, he's experienced enough to know that anything can happen. Uh, don't he's forget, not going to give up on an opportunity. Don't forget, I think he came onto the radio as soon as he came out of the pits saying that now I have to save these stars till the end. Um, you should have pitted me later. Um, so, yeah, I think clearly it could have been a factor of tire management as well. It may not have just been. And, and in terms on that, let me tell you, the, some we talked about this last night also, someone touched upon it. So, basically, if he knew that he had to serve the time penalty in the pits, what Mercedes did is the optimal thing. Hamilton was considering the fact that the time will be added to him post the uh, race, which is not the case. So he was he was saying that message because he was assuming that he had to serve the penalty at the end of the race. So that's why once post uh, the uh, the this thing the star, the pit stop, he started whining about how he needs to manage the tires and all. But in the in hindsight, Mercedes is the most perfect call because he want to serve the stop and go as soon as possible before you can actually make your race. So there's no way I'd see where he actually had a bad race, other than of course the stewarding. My my moment of the race though, I think before we move into the standings, my moment of the race was uh, when Dan when Dan, it was a contrast between Hamilton and Ricardo getting the penalties. I think the moment Ricardo got the penalty, he said, "Oh shit, my bad. Uh, I'll drive faster," <laughs> and he did. Yeah, uh, was... I think that that is the kind of mentality that or a lot of people say that non-Hamilton fans are to a sense unreasonably toxic about him but that's not true it's not unreasonable uh everyone has their reasons for hate like whatever it is but i think the positivity that ricardo showed in 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 an, in an adverse situation is exactly the mentality that we expect from a from a world championship contender or a world championship men, mentally world championship contender true 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 but no one wins unless they're used to winning. So let's give him that piece of cake at least. Of course. Ricardo. He's a six-time world champion. So every every decision yeah. has a higher impact. Um, you know, I think that's a great point to probably address one of the questions from our members of com- members of the community. And I think, Masum, you probably start with it. Uh, the question was from Tani. He said, do you think the stewards should reconsider the way they handle high-priority incidents rather than going chronologically? I don't know what the meaning of going chronologically means, but... Um, as in, as in events occur. As events occur, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So, do you uh, think they sh- And so, let's break that for first part. Uh, first part of the question. What do you think, Masu? So, I'm not sure if they actually handle it uh, in order, because I do believe that... I, I think I remember one occasion where actually one of the, one of the uh, incidents uh, were uh, to be decided after the race. Well, the one after that was uh, immediately... immediately uh, dished out but i think generally everyone can agree that uh, this the penalty the stewards need to be more conditioned with their with their decisions uh, i think that's something that we can notice generally because if we look at the leclerc stored incident and uh, first of all before that i don't get this out of the way hamilton incident that's a completely new case there is no president said before uh, so i think in that aspect we could say that now we have to make sure that every decision in a similar light should be given the same penalty. Uh, but in talking about other penalties, we saw we can see that the stroll, uh, the stroll uh, with Leclerc incident is very similar to what happened between uh, Hamilton and uh, Albon. And I think they should have been uh, given the same penalty, whether it was a first lap or not. True. 
as for the rule as for the rule about hamilton being bamboozled he was just uninformed or ignorant i would say there's a clear standing rule that you cannot in the fi rule book or whatever you might call it that you cannot take standing starts on the pit lane no matter where it is so in just in that scenario the rush uh, to point that up russia let me, let, me, let me clarify slightly not you can't do that in the fast lane in the pit lane you can yeah. do it on the closer to the garages yeah the merge lane actually correct yeah so the our point was to complete that that russia's pit exit is way down the straight so that's where he could have possibly but there might have been some confusion between the team slash hamilton and yeah and in terms of that hamilton clearly asked for permission and it is his team's fault it's nothing to do with hamilton yeah. he asked for permission they gave him the green light and you can't do anything more than that so yeah same thing i do, i do sympathize with him slightly because he did check with the team and i mean from his point of view is nothing intentionally or from from his own accord that he did uh, that got him the penalty it was just the team not knowing what they can cannot get away with yeah that's been the second time if you don't uh, if you forget because in monza also he asked for the uh, go ahead and the team called him in when they should have clearly kept him out but that all worked out for the better so yeah yeah i have a point to make about the stewarding thing um it's a, it's just a very general observation i do think in the last sort of year and a half half of last season plus this season the stewarding has been has been pr- pretty good a lot better than it used to be back in you know 2017 18 at least a few years ago would you guys agree it's yep. been more consistent but i think it's this compared to in 2019 i think this season we have seen like a bit of a tank okay yeah and i think yeah. that probably gives brings us into the second half of the question quite well um if you look at if you look at the leclerc stroll incident now that incident a lot of people said it should be a penalty uh, a lot of people said that it was a first lap incident a lot of people said stroll uh was too tight uh, on the corner now i'm not going to comment on that on what those two should have done or should not have done but do you think leclerc the question is do you think leclerc and ferrari are slipping under the radar of the stewards uh are, like for example another incident which you could look at was the spain seatbelt incident where he just got a reprimand um masum let's again what do you think about that uh, which incident in spain uh leclerc, do you think leclerc and ferrari are slipping under the radar of the stewards like for example the first lap incident yesterday with lance uh and the seat belt incident in spain where he just got a reprimand i think first of all i think to clarify is that in spain uh, people uh, leclerc actually gave an explanation later in the race afterwards that he so in the race, the seat belt actually has four buckles and only the only one of those buckles were off and he did one uh, slow lap to check if his engine is fine and he only realized that in, in his push lap when he started pushing so i think in that aspect uh, there is some confusion there is some misinformation so i think in that case i, I think the, the fi did uh, i think the mistake from fi is that uh, like they did not look into the incident immediately they looked at it in the next weekend so in that aspect i would agree that uh, fi do give a bit more leeway with ferrari and if uh, in general and i don't believe it's a completely unbiased entity as well actually i want to add something to that but i think we'll uh, come to that later on and even this incident i think the only explanation there is that like with this incident i think it's a prime example of like they only noted it they did not even investigate it 
and i think if it was any other driver they would have investigated it so i think ferrari drivers are actually getting a bit more like leeway in terms of uh, penalties and in, in, in investigations so i actually agree with you up to an extent but i think it's more leclerc than it is vettel because yeah i mean if you look at vettel i think i think no one needs to look further than canada 2019 to really yeah. discuss vettel yeah. But I, I, but I do agree with you. I think Charlotte Leclerc is kind of like the golden boy at Ferrari, and uh, it's possible that Lec- the and I completely, I'm not saying it's possible. I, I can't really talk about other people's intentions, but it does seem like uh, he's people are being a little lenient towards him. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to add something to this. In terms of Leclerc versus FIA saga, which has been going on since let's say uh, Monza last year, I think. Each of his incidents is somewhere leaning between a uh, straight no-brainer penalty and lots of uh, yeah. grey matters. So <laughs> there's not something to like exactly thing, uh, pinpoint and say, okay, that this can be easily reprimanded. The most closest thing that it came to was yesterday's incident. That's why this whole thing has been brought up. Otherwise, each of the each of the one, you you take the Japan uh, GP last year at Suzuka when. Uh, he was driving around with damage, throwing around debris everywhere, which was extremely dangerous at those high speeds, especially at the 130R section. I think he asked the team that time, Should, do I have damage, do I, have, do I come in, etc. I think it was the other way around where he was saying, I'm fine, I, the, car, the car feeds fine, and he was continuing. So there's lots of confusion there. And the one with the Hamilton penalty, Hamilton incident in Monza, where he was just weaving in the braking zone towards uh, T3 or something like that, the, sec- the second chicane. So all these things are just, they're not a slam dunk penalty. So we can't necessarily say that it is a no-brainer. But yeah, yesterday's incident, I would say, again, it can be it can be termed as racing incident or something. But yeah, I would disagree that Leclerc is getting the favorism. But yeah, he's bound to get reprimanded soon enough if he does something yeah, more obvious than this. I think, yeah. I think Verstappen, the Verstappen-Leclerc incident in Austria is clear that probably there is no bias. I just think that the decisions themselves are inconsistent. I think that's... Yeah. Uh, I think something else I want to point out to you is that we know that in F1 there is a very active betting scene. So, like I, I don't think the I mean I'm just being hypothesizing here, and we actually found a very interesting bit of information from this weekend that this weekend the uh, FIA head steward was Mika Salo, and the Hamilton's penalty it was aware within the it was informed to the Mercedes team in lap seven, but. Prior to that, that information is already public knowledge, and the rumor is that the Mikas, that the, the, the rumor is that um, Mikasalo leaked this information to a Finnish newspaper, a Finnish TV, uh, not newspaper, and as a consequence of that, it was informed earlier. And we know that people who do you know flash bets, this is going to affect their decisions. And what and you know I think even in this case we can apply. I mean there might be people who bet Stroll won't finish above P6, P7, and I don't believe, and I think if the stewards are aware of that, that's definitely going to add a bias, and it's definitely going to favor a large chunk of the people who have betted. Like this might just an, uh, another angle on it, which I think could be happening. You hear, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Conspiracy uh, theory. Stu- stewards are biased towards nothing but their own pockets. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Of oh, course. Uh, can we do that here? Can I? Uh, can I make a quick buck? 
<laughs> but that's a very that's interesting a idea, man. <laughs> yeah, we should open. We should open another server where we actually do betting on our own races, dude. That's actually quite a good idea. I'm, ha- I'm happy to. I'm happy to take away one penalty. That point server's name is Dash E. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead I, think, and reprimand I, think, them. I think we can host that server outside India and it should be fine. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think we can move back to the race. Uh, let's move but yeah, on. That's actually started but, speaking about the race and the finishes. Actually, yet. that's so. a very interesting theory by Masum and definitely wanted to think about. But moving on to probably the standings of the race, um, yep. we can probably start looking no, no further than. We already covered Lance Stroll and the incident. I don't think we need to cover that any longer. Um, Carlos Sainz. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Sainz's penalty? Oh, sorry, Sainz's... I think he just made, made uh, an honest mistake. Um, yeah. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure he realizes that at Russia, I mean, you have to make some positions if you can at lap one because once everyone gets going, it's a difficult track to overtake on. So you can imagine that he'd be quite charged up making, looking to make positions on the first lap. So when he does go into the runoff area, you expect him to slow down and navigate navigate through those um, styrofoam, whatever they've placed. But I can understand why he hasn't. And in the heat of the moment, he's just driving through it with so much speed that he's not able to turn and avoid the, the wall. Um, it's a silly mistake to make. Um, yeah, I can't really say anything else. I lost but, some yeah. respect for Mr. Sainz yesterday. Yeah. I'm you not know, I think, back. I think what probably happened was he probably saw Verstappen doing the same and probably followed the same uh, the same uh, path. Yeah, I think it happens when you're looking at your right rearview mirror and trying to rejoin the track yeah. uh, and not looking at where you... And you're so confident about where you can place your cars. Where you're, you're, it, it just happens with the best drivers at times. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a stupid, very, very careless mistake the, from a yeah. Formula 1 it driver who is joining never, Ferrari next season. Let's not forget that. It's <laughs> happened to nobody who's gone outside of the track. We were just discussing that yesterday. So people have hit the barriers while on the track, but off the track. Roman Grosjean better than him. <laughs> I was just going to say Roman Grosjean to Ferrari. <laughs> Dude, Roman, Roman was literally under an overtaking move. And he had to take avoiding action, and then he had no angle to take on on that corner. So he just went through it like, yeah, he, but that's understand. That's highly understandable. Nothing compared to this. This is a Ferrari driver next year who's one of the top twenty drivers on the planet, and he hit a wall at full speed. Do you do you think that track. there's an element of not being prepared, or they just didn't practice going off on this corner? And maybe just the speed that he carried in the heat of the moment just caught him off but completely. I I don't think it's the speed. It's more the angle in which he got. So he didn't necessarily go extremely wide on the sausage curb. So the car was probably loaded way towards on one side on the heavy fuel load. So, and then the turn-in just wasn't enough for him. He obviously mm-hmm. saw where he was going. He just miscalculated that, that one tiny bit. as enough to push ricochet him all the way to the middle of the track. So yeah, it was the angle at which he approached. And... But, uh, Considering yeah, that it's such a major part of the race and that it may be expected to, given the uh, grip, uh, the non-grippy nature of this track, do you think that the driver should at least attempt taking this escape route once or twice so that they're not caught off guard in race conditions? I mean, it, to me at least, it definitely felt like this is the first time he's taking this corner and he just made a complete... Well, screw up. You, you're got a quite a right point there. I wouldn't follow the practices so much, so I can't really tell if someone was running wide there and actually practicing that. Other than I'm taking a guess, it would be Roman. 
Roman probably got a lot of practice on that ballard, but yeah. I don't know about Probably took out all his frustrations on it. <laughs> yeah, like this, this mash he can now turn 2.5. <laughs> Anyways, moving ahead to George Russell. Uh, Thoughts in chat. <laughs> he got a battle. Yeah. He got a battle of bull. So I think he's pretty happy with that. It was very. Uh, very interesting to see him battle his friends, uh, Lando and Albon. It just gave me flashbacks of uh, the pandemic days when they were virtually racing. It was a very, very heartwarming moment. And that lasted for all of what? One and a half laps when he just was completely eaten up by them. But yeah. in the moment, it was very nice, very cute. He was almost ahead and he flat spotted his tires. It took turn 15, 16 or 13, whatever that is. That fast kink into the right-hander. It was quite a shame that his entire race got compromised from that. I think he did like, what, 25 pit stops or something? I don't know. I think it was two or three. Something in... He did the most pit stops probably in the race. And he still managed to catch up to Latifi towards the end, so I don't know. So, you know, it's just a George Russell race. Brilliant, but nowhere significant in terms of points. Blackshe, what do you think of those three? Did you watch them three going around? Yeah, good, good I, I like. I was, I was properly hyping George up when he was, and he did successfully defend at the end of the straight from Albon and Norris. Yeah, um, that was fantastic. That was great driving. Um, I'm gonna plow ahead because we've got many drivers to go through. I'm gonna club a yep. few together. Um, okay. A bit of a lull race for Grosjean and Latifi. Um, am I right in saying this is the first race? Uh, Groshan has finished below Magnussen this year so far. Probably. Is that right? No, I, I want to take right. your word on that. He has finished uh, below in uh, the, when they scored points and uh, with that track. Hungary. Uh, Hungary, yeah. Because I think Magnussen sco scored the sole point for the Haas. Uh, yes, after Hungary, I think this is the early second one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and... well, we, we were saying he was struggling with track limits and stuff, but. Yeah, I think he pit towards the end too. That's why he's below Latifi. So he was one of the guys who went into the pits with uh, Norris towards the end of the Grand Prix because of sure. some issues, I think. So that's pushed him below Latifi. That's Latifi was probably sitting dead last. Then we have Kimi Gotkinen. So Kimi was... Okay, so uh, talking about Gotkinen here, he had he was on the optimal strategy, being starting on the hard, stretching those tires very well. Just the car wasn't there to help him. Being on a half a second slower car than last year is not progress. So yeah, I'd say he had a decent result for him. His teammate fared much better. So yeah. Yeah, good race by Jovanot Sega, I think. He did I think he made a couple of moves as well. I think yeah. one of them on Grosjean and another on Magnuson, maybe. Yeah, it was yeah, on Magnuson, exactly on Magnuson. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good race by him. Yeah, definitely a stronger performance compared to his counterpart. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's under a lot of pressure right now because we know that the, the, the driver who is set to replace him scored a double podium in the F2 race today, in the preceding day. So yeah. he's gone. Is that confirmed? Yeah, Giovinazzi is for sure going, I think. Kimi probably has a contract offered to yeah. him by Sauber. So he, it's up to him to decide now if he wants yeah. to stay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in, in, in case that, you know, the... He he meet, does leave. He needs to make a strong case why he needs to be the driver in that particular seat. Yeah. Yep. I, I think probably... same for 
it was pretty much a similar race for Magnus, and it was a bit of a bounce back uh, by Giovinazzi as well as Magnussen together. Magnussen had, had a brilliant start, so let's not forget. He had he went in the first lap, he went from P18 to P9. But that again, his, the Haas, which is on average a second slower than last year around this circuit, it didn't do him justice. Yep. So Magnussen did fairly well in the first lap. That's a huge amount of overtakes. So kudos to him. Let's talk, before we move ahead, let's talk about Lando Norris. He showed, yep. he finished P15, but it was a very admirable and commendable race from him, the way he drove on those old really? hearts. Yeah. He was defending till the last moment with those how fifty lap or forty five lap old tires on hards. I had no clue what was the end. The end where I, and then he just, tell me. So I, I'm not sure what was happening with the strategy for Norris as well as Albon when they pitted them so early <clears throat> and put them on the hards. Surely they were not expecting them to go to the end of the race with that. That was like so, what forty seven laps. So what I suspect is that like uh, they both of them started. In the- Tops, right? So I, I believe that uh, the, the teams at that point did not want did not want to like them to stay on the softs. In this, they, they would have thought like uh, go, go on the hearts. I think yeah. I think speaking about it, I think they were expecting to take this hearts till the end. Yeah, they put it under safety car conditions yeah. uh, at lap two. Yeah, and uh, it was a very opportunistic or very optimistic strategy to take those hearts to the end. Yes, yeah. grip is uh, the wear is a little low, but it's pushing an entire hundred percent race is pushing yeah. their luck. The, the battle between uh, P10, I guess, at that point was Albon, Norris, and I keep forgetting it was one more person who was with them. It was didn't really help him because he ended up battling what would have been a tire strategy, a tire management race. He ended up battling so many people, defending so much, so hard, so that didn't really do him justice. And I think towards the end, by some heavy braking or something, he ended up flat spotting his tires really badly, and he just couldn't finish the race on vibrations, so he had to pit. Otherwise, I guess he was bringing the car home. The lap yeah, times weren't that close. off. He close, was quite but close. Dice. Absolutely. Yeah. The fighting didn't actually help him, but yeah commendable race. He was defending quite well against Albon on those really old tyres. So, yeah. well, you, can't, you can't really opt for a strategy and say, oh, let's hope there's not going to be any fighting on the track. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, what yeah. they, that's what you're there for. <laughs> that literally is your job. Uh, yeah. Defend think, your position. I think what caught them out was that they expected the softs to not last that long for the other, uh, for the other soft runners. But it, towards the end, it did end up being quite a durable tyre compared to what is expected. So I think that's what like uh, got this early pitting people off. I think it's more of the safety car timing which actually ruined the entire race because they couldn't really go on the yellow tire and go for another pit stop later on in the race so they just had to uh, put all their chips on the hard tire and finish the race. It was Why either... Uh, they, they, I believe they must have had another medium tires. And... Uh, no, no, so they, why would they do two pit stops? Uh, no, just not pit then. If it's if it's a lap one safety car, uh, for Norris, on lap one. For Norris, I have a theory that uh, not. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, thing is, when Science had that crash, he wheeled onto the track. So I suspect Norris had to slam the brakes and potentially flash, flat flat of those tires. True, that's, that's possible. Yeah. That's possible right. too. Okay, let's move well, along. Raikkonen yeah. and Vettel. Sorry, couple. You have something no, no, to add? No, I was just thinking. See, he had just completed turn one. It's quite unlikely that he'll flat spot and lock up at such slow speeds. But then again, it's possible. 
true, true. I am still thinking that they were just trying to cover someone off in the safety car and then they had no other option. They backed themselves out into the one stop and hard was the only way to go. And he was probably going to get the tire home had he not overfought or like flat spotted them towards the end of the race or start yep. vibration probably. The young blood uh, yeah. defend to the ends of the earth, nature backfired yes. on him at the end. Because it's exactly for the point, that single point which is P10. So that's even yeah. more uh, pressure. So yeah, I, I get it. Let's I talk about saying. Seb Vettel now. Mr. Chinoy, time for you to shine. How is that rear end alive? Well, he did help Ferrari uh, yeah. this time around. Yeah, I think I think Vettel. Uh, I mean, Ferrari identified that Vettel won't, wasn't going anywhere. Um, I think it was clear that, uh, given his pace, uh, given at least his speed on a straight line and his struggle to overtake an Alfa Romeo, he wasn't going to get points. So um they they sacrificed his race um they went for they favored charles and it worked out i think ferrari did maximize the points that were available to them yep, yep. Uh, i was actually looking at the lap charts and ferrari were actually Vettel was actually keeping up with every other driver in the third sector but they were losing a whole second in the first two sectors so i mean you know like they couldn't really do anything given the lack of straight line speed mm. So, so what, what do you think about the new news which is coming, Chinoy, about the <laughs> low end being fixed and then probably they don't have to shave off the speed to get the front end grip from the next place way. onwards? They'll find a way to cock it up. That's huh. I would give... agree with that. I agree with that. Why, why would you give Chinoy and Ferrari fans hope? It's, yeah. it's the last yeah. thing that they need this no, year. It's a bunch of pepegs <laughs> with their pepega brothers. And yeah. everyone on the stream, you can play that clip from, from uh, yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Hope is a dangerous thing. To add to that, given that, you know, that, given that Vettel was not you know, definitively passing the Alpha, uh, we do realize that how much the Ferrari were, we can see that how much the Ferrari were betting on their uh, engine power being retained because I think the Alpha has a really good chassis compared to the Ferrari right now. Yeah. It is looking like the better package in the Ferrari so, series. So I think every time we come back to Vettel, Leclerc probably shines a poor light at him. Because let's not forget Leclerc is on another level altogether. That guy is attaining God status very soon in his career. So he, we shouldn't be comparing him to Vettel because I see, wholeheartedly believe Leclerc is on another level. To drive that amazing piece of engineering to such a high place <laughs> is just is just unfathomable. How he does it, minor corrections, absolutely smooth driving, and then staying on pace on top of that—that's just otherworldly. I, I, I let's not compare it to Vettel. Let's wait for next year. So I want to bring. I want to bring. Uh, I don't remember which track it was. I think it was. Was it Belgium? No. Before was the track before Belgium? Uh. Spain. Silverstone? In, no, Spain, it's, yeah. in, sorry, I'm talking about Silverstone. Okay. Helmut Marco, who is who probably has one of the quickest drivers of all time on his team right now. Uh, Max Verstappen, Wall said none about him. He's a very, very quick driver. <coughs> Helmut Marco said he does not know how Charles Leclerc puts in those lap times. It just does not make sense to him. And... I'm not going to say Leclerc's better than Verstappen or Verstappen better than Leclerc, but we have a very bright future in Formula 1 for both of them. I mean, to watch, to be able to be privileged to watch both of them grow. Yeah, true. I think that covers, well, that's my pit on 
both Leclerc and Verstappen. But yeah, yeah Seb, Pin, Lala. Uh, let's move on to points now. It's yes. my time to shine. No. <laughs> you are not allowed to speak on this one. Okay, uh, we're running short on time. So, Baba, forget about Albon. Uh, yeah. Yes. You animals. Look at we've, we've, I think we've covered Albon in pretty much yeah. the same strategy as uh, I've got Norris. two Christian Horners on the podcast covering their little baby's ass. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The guy had the same strategy as Norris and still finished in the points at the end. Yeah, I, I, I think something I'd, I'd like to point out just this two minutes is that when you compare Leclerc and Vettel and compare Verstappen and Albon, the contrast is very similar. I, I, it goes with the onboards. I see that both Albon and Vettel are lacking medium speed speed compared to their uh, teammates. Oh, that's so a very so, interesting analogy. Oh, so in terms of the delta, how much how much of a so? But in terms of the other corners, the slow speed and fast speed corners, how much? I'm sure Albon isn't matching Verstappen. So what's the delta over there in terms of percentage? It's very less. Al- Albon is keeping up in high speed and low speed quite well, but in medium speed, Albon is way off. Like he's not able to carry the entry speed, and or, or and when he does, he loses the car. Um, somebody said from the Red Bull team that Verstappen and Albon do- don't have the same car. Is is do you think? I don't really- believe that. I don't believe uh, that. Not uh, once. I mean, the the Milton Keynes outfit is one of the most uh, most uh, they're, they're extremely well equipped, and I I don't believe that at all. So let's not forget, please, that man qualified P10 below Stroll, below Norris, below everybody on the clear grid. So you know his quality is weak, but P10, you're fine. Let's move on. Great drive from Great drive from the The Red Bull is designed at every and tuned at every track for Max. Yes. That's it. Fine. Okay. Uh, I think it was just a good this is a good side watching Albon, Norris and Russell go toe to toe. I think uh, we're moving on to some greener pastures now. Some happiness. Yep. Alpha Tauri, once again. Good result. Yep. Amazing. Yep. I, I kind of felt sad that Kvyat couldn't get Ocon for like 20 or something laps. Oh, but yes, man. I, to watch. I was like thinking now, now, now. And then that's where but I it's think. It's understandable. That... The Renault is so quick in a straight line, isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. And he got this thing dangerously close towards the end of the race, but still it was no dice. It was never really looking like he was going to make a move. So yeah. I guess it's fine. Because Danny had the optimal strategy. He had the best place to be, actually. I think he was P11 or something. He started on hards. He got the fastest run-up. He was driving in clean air most of the time. And I think P3 at a point. What? He was running P3 at a point. Yeah, he was running P3 at a point. He was P2 actually at a point. I think he was... Uh, yeah, he was just. I think he was leading the race at one point. Everyone pitted. No, 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 no. He wasn't. He wasn't leading the race at any point. Uh, I think Ocon is flying on the soft strain. I think he was definitely faster than Ricardo. But I think after the pit stop, all those laps stuck behind Vettel ultimately costed him. Yeah, that's true. But if we stick to Alpha Tori, so give it not a shame. I was expecting him to perform more at the uh, at his hometown. So. Let's move on to Gasly, dude. That medium stint and that overtake on Albon. My God, what a move. That was some amazing shit. That was some spicy shit. I love it. I love it. Each uh, that overtake on Albon was, I think, I think more Albon's mistake than Gasly actually making a move. I think two yeah, corners yeah, yeah. earlier, I remember, I think Albon just messed it up completely. He just didn't go wide on the entry for one of those corners in the middle sector and just completely compromised his line coming out. 
True, true, true. I'm not talking aspects of racing. I'm talking about poetic justice, more on that side. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't necessarily about racing. It was a basic clean cut overtake. The tires was, yeah, fresher. Albon made a mistake. There was all the pieces yeah. that fit into it. So, yeah, it was quite a lovely move from him. I was quite fearing at one point as to the pit stop of uh, Fatori. I'm like, they're going to push him out of the points. But he just did a massive good racer, got him into points. Yeah, yeah, consistently in the points this year, Gasly, with an Alpha Tauri. It just shows yeah. how that consistency plays such a big role. And uh, yeah, poetic justice, like you said. <clears throat> Fantastic overtake on Albon. Just so sweet for the Alpha Tauri team. Yes, yeah. on to the Renaults now. Masum, did you have something to add on the Alpha Tauri? Or you would want to say about uh, Alpon itself? So yeah, just talk yeah, about Yeah, I think I think the Alpha Tauri was there a good racing. Uh, yeah, that's it. Nothing to add. Nell, smooth. Tell me about Okan. What are you saying about the soft stand? Like, I think, soft, uh, I think he was running P3 or P4 at one point and he was flying and he, I think he was lapping much quicker than uh, than uh, than his teammate. But after his pit stop, he was stuck behind Vettel and he couldn't pull that overtake off immediately. Maybe because he's, he's a bit rusty after the season off. And finally, like, when he, he, was, he was asked to uh, let his teammate pass, after that, he didn't have the pace on the hard at all. He was just falling back. He was slower than Charles. And I think that was very surprising to see. True. He was stuck behind Vettel for such a long time. And literally the lap after he gave Ricardo the position, the very next lap, like a boss, Ricardo just pulled that move easily, moved past. I'm not sure what went on in Ocon's mind at that point. No, it's just Danny's Chad balls at the braking zone. Always outbreaks the person next to him. So yeah, Chad he, balls. Okay. Yeah. That was just amazing by Ricardo. We know him for that. And what was more funnier for me was the team orders. That was the worst team orders I've seen in quite some time. It was neither Ocon actually backing off and him choosing where to back off. And it was I entirely blame uh, Danny Rick's penalty on Ocon because he didn't necessarily give him space or yeah. there was no angle to take the turn properly, safely without actually uh, avoiding all sorts of trouble. Kapil, you're going to say something? Yeah, the <clears throat> the the car as a whole was fantastically poised for the Grand Prix. I mean, they had amazing front straight line speed, which was very crucial for more, for many overtakes, just completely slicing through the Ferrari. Um, having said that, I feel like Ocon wasn't able to drive as well in dirty air. Uh, and I guess in the start of the second stint, I just felt he drove too hard and didn't preserve his tires like maybe Danny did. Of course, Danny was in a different strategy, but like it just uh, was a little disappointing to see like like finishing ahead of Ocon at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it is more foreshadowed. I would say that again, points does not say anything about bad about Esteban Ocon. It's only saying good about Charles because yeah. that is an amazing drive. He actually pulled away from Ocon. I thought they would start tussling. And all up to that point, I think the running theme of this Grand Prix is dirty air. Because even if you are close by and overtaking, there are some spots. But you just can't follow the car through all the sections quite easily to line up the overtake up until the last turn. So that was the running theme, I guess. Everyone in free air was doing quite lovely times and beautifully pulling ahead. So I think Danny Rick also was able to pull away because he was driving in clean air. And at some point of time, even Charles then got the free air, so they were trying to pull away. 
and same thing goes for Ocon. That's why he was able to defend against Kvyat, who was trying to fight him at all times. So I think the running theme up until the midfield was dirty, which was affecting all the drivers and actually performing best. Let's not forget it also hampered Hamilton in a way uh, because yeah. of the penalty spent. I think the issue of dirty air and the inability to overtake has been further exacerbated by the, uh, the, the new change in regulations regarding the engine modes. Because we can't, we, they can no longer turn it up. They can only mm. deploy additional overtake. So I think we, I think potentially we could have had more overtakes had that rule still been alive. Like yeah. it was not alive. That's true. You just needed to stick to the car up until the last sector, but that's literally one of the hardest things. The only overtaking is on the straight the long straights out the back straight or the main straight so if you cannot line up the car right close up to there you probably won't get the overtake done and that's like probably one of the most hardest things regarding the track changes the turns and the dirty air so yeah black sheep what do you think about ricardo and charles and the lot i don't i don't don't disagree with any of that um i do feel happy at the fact that runner is bouncing back is making a bit of a comeback it was it was a bit bizarre for me to see the difference in qualifying between the renos and the mclarens Runners were way further up. I would have thought that it would be quite evenly matched. Um, but I think all in all, it's it's good to see runner uh, do well. It was I think I think it's around about time. I think for the last six years now, since 2014, they've just been <laughs> they've just been slagged off by everybody, all their customers and every driver, etc. So it's good to see some performance come back. Yeah, they're again back to being the best of the rest, which is a good sign. But yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I want to eagerly move on to the next guy. Sergio Perez, fantastic drive for me. Um, in a car that's not been upgraded because of, you know, Mr. Stroll not having enough money, I guess, um, after his son takes the car to the garage every weekend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and a non-upgraded car for two weekends in a row, fantastic drive by him. Um, how much do you think the upgrades were a difference? Because... Uh, People I, are making I, it seem like it's night and day. I but think there is quite some dis- difference. I mean, I, I uh, remember at Magello where Stroll was breezing past everybody. And on the other hand, Perez was, well, everybody was breezing past Perez. Uh, yeah, I but Perez that... out-qualified him also. Sorry, Masson. Perez out-qualified him in Magello too. So that's uh, quite weird. Yeah, tell uh, me, no, In Tuscany, it was uh, down to Stroll not being able to finish his final lap due to the, the Ocon crash. Yeah. And I think the upgrade worked really well in Tuscany. But uh, from Tuscany to Russia, one key change was that they changed the suspension to the, to the, to the uh, current Merck spec. So they had, they are, they're currently doing some adaptation around that. And I think in Russia, I think Perez had the faster car. Because we saw that through the weekend, uh, you know, like, uh, Stroll was consistently slow. And I think it was, I, I think the Delta was, I think Stroll has shown that he is a driver who at least has the same raw pace as Perez in over the last couple of uh, weekends. And I think the upgrades that Racing Point bought for Stroll's car this week has not been exactly working, given the performance over the weekend. Yeah. Kapoor, you got anything to add to that? Uh, no, we can move on. I mean, this fine performance showed that Racing Point's good and Perez is the lead driver in the team. Yeah. Perez finished on track eight seconds off. Hamilton, so that's a major kudos to him. Probably would have been 18 seconds, but yeah, let's, yeah. Just, let's just look at that 8 seconds and be happy. 
Moving on to the podiums, Lewis Hamilton controversy, controversy, and controversy. Yes, we covered uh, a lot of Hamilton. Yeah, but I have one question on this point. He was given two five-second penalties, but nowhere was it mentioned that it was a stop-go penalty. So, was there an option that Mercedes could offer to have that time added at the end of the race? I guess that's a no. Because yeah. every time we've seen it in recent times, up until if it's just the last lap incidents or the last uh, post the last strategy incidents, only then the time is added towards the end. Otherwise, they always, from my recent memory, serve it in the pits if it's pre the pit stop. Yes, but that is when they specifically mentioned that it is a stop go penalty. Here, there was no mention of that, and there was clearly mentioned time penalty plus five seconds twice. No, no, I am. Saying that any sort of time penalty given, I'm not necessarily saying stop and go. You serve it in the pits. Any time penalty given, pre-pit stop is usually served in the pit as much yes, as I Yes, usually. Can. But do you think that had Mercedes opted to get the penalty at the end of their race time, would have made a big difference considering that he would have come out ahead of the rest of the field, would have had that clear air, which is such which plays such a major factor. Do you think that Mercedes may might have gotten their strategy wrong? We talked about it earlier. I don't think we saw that Hamilton later overtake. I think Kvyat and Vettel, and I don't think it would have uh, like been a significant factor. I think the more important factor was was was, was the fact that he started on softs. I absolutely agree with you, but maybe there was a chance okay, where he could have. On that, not only we said before also. So had that uh, thing uh, had the. Penalty not been applied at the pit stop itself, then Hamilton wouldn't have come in so early. If they had the option to go to the end and add the time at the end of the thing, then uh, Hamilton would have pushed those sorts which had easily more life left in them exactly. to to get a gap ahead and come even much earlier out in the clean air, and then he would again push. But that yeah. was not the case. So they knew that they have to serve the penalty in the pit itself. So they did the next best thing and got it right out of the way as soon as possible, so they could build the race after that. Interesting. All right. Black Sheep, your thoughts on Mr. Sri Lanka? I believe Black Sheep is away currently. Oh. Um, let's move on to Max. Uh, I mean, sorry, I can just probably add a line on. Yes, sure. Mr. Sheep. Sri Lanka is, needs your analysis. <laughs> the odd Black Sheep we have. I think Hamilton is. Uh, I mean, I think he needs to probably start making his own decisions. Um, you can blame the team all you want, but at the end of the day, you are a six-time world champion. Um, f- I mean, if a driver like Charles Leclerc can call, who's got two years of experience, can call out uh, the Ferrari strategists, strategists. Well, uh, that's I'm kind of unfair. Idiot. No, I'm not, um, saying, I'm not saying it's completely his fault, but for example, starting in the fast lane, that is absurd. Like, I can't even picture a car starting in the fast lane or for doing a practice start in the fast lane. I don't know why he did it. I think he needs to take ownership over here. Um, the question should not have gone to the team for it to be okay in the first place. It should just have been like every other driver does it in three practice sessions plus quality plus the plus on the formation lap of the grid. So, I think whatever penalty he got, he completely deserved. I don't mean this, I don't mean this in a biased way. If it's very similar to science hitting, if you mess up your own race, you race you've got no one else to blame but yourself the monza monza issue i can agree with but the other driver saw it he did not yeah no i completely agree with you there uh, i just think that it's very similar to science if you hit a wall or if you or if you even want to start on the wrong side of the pit lane you have only one person to blame. thank you very much 
Yeah, and and you are saying that he he needs to take his own decisions. But let's not forget the reason Hamilton won all these last championship is because they are a well geared team, so they trust each other. Absolutely. So you can't yeah. you can't necessarily chalk it up to him uh, questioning it. This is not Ferrari pitwall. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't wake up one morning and ask if you can ask your dad if you can wear your shoes on the opposite foot. Yeah, I but mean, that that's is how absurd. Not... You have no idea, yeah. dude. If you picture a car starting on the wrong side of a pit lane, it will look weird to you. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. I, I agree that. I very much agree that. But yeah, fine. He... But yes, it is a very well-oiled team, and there's trust. So fair enough. Yeah. It happens. And uh, even the best guys. Uh, think... definitely ask them for permission. So he was skeptical. Thus, if he was so sure of what he was doing, he would have just done the start there. So why I don't know if that's protocol or what it was. I, I don't know. Which is the question? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh, Moses, uh, you're saying something. I get it. Yeah, I think more significantly, like something to note is that since I think for a long time we are seeing Mercedes, we are seeing correction the armor of Mercedes after a long time. So it is uh, very exciting to watch. I would say as a Ferrari fan. <laughs> no, yeah, and totally. I think Hamilton knows that, or he probably got a little too used to uh, the FIA looking past a few of his incidents. Uh, the most recent one being Silverstone speeding in the pit lane, where he was over 50 kilometers per hour at the pit lane entry. But yeah, I guess I guess that it always comes around a full circle, doesn't it? Anyway, I'll, moving on, yes, moving on to yeah. Verstappen. Yeah, uh, let's, him. Uh, yeah, let's not talk about Mr. Sri Lanka's Baba calls. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would say? An absolutely brilliant drive. Extracted them. I think Verstappen is extracting the maximum out of that car in every race at this point. Yeah, it's become a running theme for Verstappen. There's an interesting fact that every race that Verstappen started, he's finished on podium. So, I mean, any race he's finished, I'll have to correct myself, every race he's finished, he's finished on the podium. And every race is uncharacteristically quite boring, I would say. But, you know, what they say, the more boring it looks, the more quicker it is. So, yeah, he... Uh, even in races where he's objectively not had a good car uh, in the qualifying, he has bought it back in the race. If you remember in Hungary, the the car was nowhere, but he made he got that into that podium position. Yep, that's honest. That's Hungary would be a nice anomaly to my uh, logic there, because that was a really good start from him, and he did a, a brilliant performance there. So yeah, that's about right. But if, I just don't know how Verstappen does it in quali. That's my actual really stupefying for me. Like how he comes out from nowhere and just puts the car in between the Mercedes at times and somewhere just below them. So yeah, that's yeah. his one lap pace is scintillating. We very well might be seeing another god level, uh, yeah. god tier performance from Verstappen, just yeah. like Leclerc. And yeah. uh, the only thing that I found very interesting is how Verstappen was able to adapt. If you can recall that in the beginning of the race, he did uh, complain to his race engineer about there being a lack of grip, and he was just not able to activate those tires. And uh, well, he just put his head down and just, just head like focused and got got the win at the end of the day. And I feel like that he turned it around very well, given a slightly edgy situation in the middle of the race. True. So, Though only only poor thing that happened to him is the unlucky thing is the start didn't really go in his favor. Otherwise, he could have probably gotten a run down to the Mercedes onto T1 and they made it things much more interesting. But yeah, that's just about it. Otherwise, the race was quite decent. Yeah, and there I think... Was an... Yeah, go ahead. No, I just was going to say that uh, people talk about Verstappen's raw pace, but I think uh, how good he is on his tires is severely underrated. He, 
Uh, he is ex and I think uh, the primary strength of Verstappen is his right foot. Um, and I, I know that right foot is synonymous with driving quickly, but I'm I mean this in a very literal sense. He is extremely gentle on the throttle and very precise on not gentle but very precise on the throttle, and that really protects his tires through a stint. Um, so yeah, just to add on to Kapil's point about him adapting and him being um, why he's probably reaching a godlike <laughs> status. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. But sorry, Masum. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so uh, regarding uh, that point, like uh, regarding the start, he couldn't have done much. He was actually on the uh, dirty side of the track, and we saw how, how. And I think most of the people who gained big, big positions in the start were on. They're not on that particular side. So I think that's another factor. True, 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 true. So that's another Let's move on to Baltry Voltas. Yeah. Very, very long time since we saw him win. Wait, before we get on to the, his race, do you guys think he purposefully opted for P3? <laughs> I was telling my girlfriend that at the start of the race. And it was a little uncharacteristic to see him almost a second, almost eight tenths of Hamilton. That was, was too slow, even for Bottas. I think it was. I think it was purpose. Yeah. Now that you said, it's kind of making sense. I would agree with that. Yeah. Highly so, suspect, yeah. But because it is, it is his track after all. That guy is he's never he's always finished in the points here every time he's been here since the Williams days. His first so, podium was here, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, podium, and he's never been out of points here at all since his career debut through with all the teams he's been. So yeah. it's uncharacteristic, I would say. But yeah, you, you can say that. And would you do you? I believe him. I'm, uh, let me ask your opinion about that. Do you think a B actually hit him down the straight? Because, yeah, it was pretty weird in how he approached. Uh, yeah, he suddenly team. lost the back end. I think he just lost focus uh, for a second. I'm yeah, not going to say. I, I, I think he's a gentleman. Uh, I really I think he's a very, very nice person. Uh, I'm not going to talk about his. About mm -hmm. his Today's one day. I'm not going to talk about whether he should or shouldn't be in Mercedes, whether he can take Hamilton on. But uh, people like. Vettel, people like Bottas are a dying breed. Uh, I think that I love seeing them on the grid purely because of their composure and the way they behave. Yeah, exactly. I believe him that a B hit him. So, yeah, it would have been fun if you would have got him into T1 and then just led the race from there. And then no penalty in the world would ever make sense like to him losing the race. But yeah, he had won the race after Q2 because there was no way Hamilton was beating him on the soft and hard strategy. Yeah, I wanted him to beat him on track and why, like, that would mean he destroyed him if you would be, be ahead of him on the medium tire or something, but well, then probably... You do the math, the 10 second penalty and a 22 second deficit, you do the math, I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I know, it's easily, he had him easily, there's no, there's no doubt. The more, the more alarming thing is Perez is 8 seconds behind Hamilton, so let's not talk about the difference in timing, so yeah, it's fine. Um, coming back to the point about the B and getting going off track into T2, uh, there was a very clear direction given by the uh, by the race direct by the race director that you had to take the ball out. So you the driver instinctively knows when he's losing grip. So the moment he started losing that. He, it was just second nature to him that he had to follow those instructions and he didn't even attempt to try to get back on the corner and immediately uh, well altered his driving so that he would take the ball out. Like that, the ball out became his uh, focus of attention as, as soon as he lost grip. 
So yeah. That's quite nice. I didn't know about that. I didn't watch the first lap. Did he take the ball out under T2? Yes, I did. Oh, I think both him and Verstappen took the ball out. Hmm. Nice, nice, nice. So yeah, he did a nice race. Never really sweating it. The only time he was sweating it when the gap came down to him and Verstappen was five seconds. But then we saw the telecast and it was actually him just navigating through like a billion car back markers through the last sector. So it was understandable. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, Master. And me? Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just about to wrap up. That's why. Let me give me, give me your thoughts. Yeah, so I think this is kind of, like, I hope that, you know, this is kind of the turnaround for the season that Bottas being able to beat Hamilton maybe, you know, he maybe gives him the push to really push forward and possibly cover the gap by the time we arrive in Bahrain. We've been over this conversation every yeah, single time you win. No, 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 no. There's Michael Jordan. There's Michael Jordan to Sri Lanka. I want to make a quick correction. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Uh, Bottas yeah. did not take the ball out in turn two. I just paused the video back. That's uh, my bad. Yeah, oh. I think he was just about to go off track and shaved speed, which cost him the run uh, through turn two and three. Hmm. So my that's bad. why Hamilton got ahead. Um, no. It's not because he took the ball out. Just a quick correction there. True. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. I was saying yeah, that. I forgot on your my point was never mind. What are you saying, Masumi? I... It's fine, it's fine. It's, it's just uh, something that gives us hope. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jordan Sri Lanka is going to come back and win the next race by 30 seconds. So just forget your hopes and dreams. Yeah. Trash. So we're <laughs> trying to let's wrap up this boring. The talk was not as boring as the race as usual. It is. I had wonderful mates to talk about that. But let's, as tradition is becoming now, everyone in the chat, please name your driver of the day and simultaneously also not your driver of the day. Not your driver of the day does not encounter DNFs. So please just see any. Does not encounter DNFs. Yes, does not count DNFs. So it has to be a guy finished the race and he was not your driver of the day. So let's start with you, Masum. Mm, I think my driver of the day would be Verstappen, hands down. And not the driver of the day? Probably Grosjean, I would say. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a low blow, okay. Fine, uh, uh, for me, the driver of the day would be Vettel. He played the team game, awesome. He, he gave Ferrari their best result. Uh, not the best result, but the best possible result. And not drive the day, I'd probably say Hamilton. Kind of screwed up his race before the race itself. True. Chinoy, come on, your thoughts? Um, It's probably very close between Verstappen and Leclerc for me for driver of the day. Um, but screw it. I'm just going to go with Verstappen because he finished higher up. So that's how it goes in Formula 1. Cool. Uh, and I think not driver of the day, I would probably go with Russell. Russell had a lot of fights with a lot of good people and looked attractive, but he was nowhere on pace today. Uh, yesterday, I think he was slower than his teammate. Uh, he uh, was bad on his tires. He was forced to pit about three times, I think, or two to three times. Um, I don't think yep. he was. He drove well all uh, well at all yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to me, I think my driver of the day would be. Hands down, Charles Leclerc, with some credit to Vettel, because Charles had no business putting that car there where it was. 
I would say props to him. And I, I was going to leaning at Daniel Kvyat. If Daniel had uh, overtaken Ocon, that would be nice. But yeah, my not the drive of the day, you know it. Sign someone else. I'm not going to say anything. He just signed someone else. Not drive of the day. I can have an opinion. Anyways, sorry guys for this abysmal talk. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed our armchair analysis. And we hope to see you next time with us and you too FBI agent thank you for <laughs> us please like and subscribe whatever thank you yeah stay tuned for next week's league races uh, on Friday Saturday and Sunday uh, Friday we have challengers Saturday our feature race with tier 1 and Sunday our tier 2 uh, thank you all for joining in tune in soon bye